that I didn't get shared a while ago. Sally and I was privileged to go along with the youth up, I guess it was Thursday, to CAM. Some of the rest of you went along. And one of the pictures they showed, they had a little presentation after dinner, and they showed some pictures. And one of the pictures was of a house uh, in the Ukraine that had been bombed. There, it was nothing but a bunch of rubble, a few bricks sticking together, but basically there was a house that was leveled by a bomb. And right beside the house, there was a ground cellar that went down in under the ground. The door was blowed off with the bomb as well. So it was just a hole down the ground. You could see this hole going down in the ground. And down underneath, there was a little cot or a, a bed. And along the wall, where there was a pile of potatoes. And these people said they were not asking anything from Christian Aid Ministry. No, they were not asking or begging anything from them. They said, we've got extra potatoes, and if there's any people here in our community that needs some assistance or help or needs food, we're willing to share. How much do we have? Is your house leveled? I could hardly believe that these people say we really don't have that much need. We have extra potatoes we're willing to share. Their house was, was leveled. I was blessed and think we have so much. Are we willing to share what we have? Now for the message. Brothers and sisters, as you and I view the moral landscape around us in 2022, we realize that our world is going from bad to worse. You know, as we hear news accounts, we hear about the disintegration of the family. We hear about the marriages, how they are uh, in disarray today. We hear of the violence, the shootings in the United States. We hear about what happened in Japan maybe some of the violence in Africa. And we know how in our country, you know, prayer and the Ten Commandments have been banished from schools and public places. It's no wonder that our world is in shambles. I firmly believe that the majority of the problems in our world today stem from an intentional rejection of God and his word. You could go to Romans chapter 1, verse 28. You could go to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 to verify what I just said. So, my dear people, we have a choice to make. Either we can be discouraged and depressed and we can cower with our hands over our heads afraid because the sky is falling, or we can realize the tremendous opportunity it is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ for such a time as this. And I would submit to you that I do believe that the events we see unfolding are leading us to the second coming of our Lord and Savior. But however, until that time, how shall we then live? The title of the message this morning is, In the Meantime... And I would propose to each of you, my brothers and sisters, I firmly believe that God has placed each of us here at this specific time, at this specific place, for a very specific purpose. 
and that is to glorify our Creator. For a text, I would invite you to Luke chapter 19, verse 13. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 13. As we think about, in the meantime, and he, and he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds, and he said unto them, Occupy till I come. In the meantime, occupy until I come. Prior to his departure, the nobleman he gave, he gave to his servants from his possessions and he gave them a charge and he said, occupy until I come. I looked up that word occupy in the Greek and it means to busy oneself or to trade or be careful as you trade to make, make good trades, make good investments. So I'd like to read this passage, if you will allow me. I'd like to read it from the NIV. I'd like to read Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 11, and finishing up in verse 27. Luke 19, 11 to 27. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said... A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and he gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and they sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. I'd like to consider this verse 11 as the first point of the message and call it clearing a misconception. As we look at Luke chapter 19 verse 11 where Jesus said, And as they held, heard these things, he added and spake a parable 
because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. According to scripture, this parable was at the conclusion of the account here of Zacchaeus. You know the account of Zacchaeus there at Jericho. And the 12 disciples and many in the crowd, they supposed that Jesus was going immediately into Jerusalem to set up his earthly kingdom. And they were probably giddy with this was about to happen. They was going to go to Jerusalem and be part of this earthly kingdom. But Jesus needed to clear a misconception and he told this parable. Jesus' kingdom was much greater than what the servants could have ever imagined. Number one, the kingdom focus was not so much on deliverance from physical oppression, but on spiritual deliverance from the bondage of Satan. That is so much better, to be delivered from the bondage of Satan. That was part of Jesus' kingdom focus. Secondly, the kingdom was much more than a short-term earthly kingdom, but it was one that was a heavenly kingdom, one that is eternal. So those were two things, two misconceptions that Jesus cleared. And brothers and sisters, I believe that you and I, there's times that we need misconceptions cleared for us. And you know, I don't know that I'm going to turn to all these. Or I'd like to consider several. I believe that we today, there's times that we need misconceptions cleared in our mind. If you remember the account in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, when Jesus was meeting there with the woman at the well, at the end of that discourse, maybe I'll read just a couple of verses. John chapter 4, verses 31 to 35. Jesus cleared a misconception here. John chapter 4, verses 31 to 35. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. They were wondering, what's he talking about? Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Don't be so earthbound, I added that. Don't be so earthbound. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus cleared a misconception about meat. He said, this is my work. This is what I need to be doing. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus talks about beware of covetousness. It says, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of his possessions. We can get caught up in following the, the great American dream, but Jesus said, beware of covetousness. And also in Luke chapter 22, verse 26, we can think about who is the greatest. The disciples often kind of bickered about who was the greatest. And Jesus, he cleared the misconception there in Luke 22. I'd like to move on then to the second couple verses in the, this passage. Second point of the message is entrusting the servants. That would be Luke chapter 19, verses 12 and 13. The nobleman here, who was Jesus, he entrusted his servants with his goods. And each of the servants were given the same amount, or the same goods. The margin of my Bible said that 
these ten minas were worth three, three months' wages. So I'm assuming that if you made $100 a day and you made that for five, five days a week, that would be $500 in, four, let's say, four weeks in a month. That's $2,000 a month times three would be about six or $7,000. Now, if Brother Samuel, if he would come to each one of you uh, families, the heads of home, and he would say, here, I'm giving you $6,000, $7,000, and I want you to be very careful. I want you to invest that. We have this special fund that we're trying to raise money for, and I would like you to invest it, and then we'll see you know, what, how we can do uh, to put money in this fund. But you know, Jesus has given us something so much greater than five, six, seven thousand dollars. He's entrusted something much pre more precious than that. And he wants us to occupy until I come. Be careful with your investment. I'd like to share a quote as we think about looking beyond, looking beyond the earthly. In October the 28th, 1949, Jim Elliott wrote these words. One of the greatest blessings of heaven is the appreciation of heaven on earth. Jim Elliott also wrote this. It was kind of interesting. I did go online and typed in Jim Elliott and looked, and it showed the very paper, the line paper that he wrote this out, and he wrote this as well. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Here was a man who was willing to invest, even though it cost him everything he had. Jim Elliott went on to say this, Lord, fill the preachers and preaching with thy power. That's my desire too this morning, that the preaching, the power comes from God, not from us. How long dare we go on without tears, without moral passions, hatred and love, not long, I pray, Lord Jesus, not long. Approximately six and a half years later, Jim Elliott, his life was swallowed up in sight or by sight. If I understand right, there was five widows that were left and approximately eight children. I, I read another quote that there was a three-year-old was trying to quiet uh, one of the children, that was, one of the babies that was crying and she, she said something like this, Oh, be quiet, be careful, don't cry. When we get to heaven, I'll show you which one daddy is. Um, this little child wanted to, to, to quiet and help this other one that was crying. One of them that had lost their father. And I would submit to you, a true ambassador has given up his own self-interest. A true ambassador gives up his own self-interest and is seeking to promote the kingdom of his superior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should we seek to have the same focus? I'm sorry. We should seek to have the same focus and goals of our master, which is given here in the verse prior to what we just read. If you go to Luke chapter 9, verse 10, what was Jesus' focus he said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So brothers and sisters, our focus should be what his focus was. We should love what he loves, and he loves people. 
he focused on people and he said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost, and that should be what we are called to do as well. So, brothers and sisters, you've been giving something a lot more precious than six or seven thousand dollars. You've been given salvation, the Word of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Invest carefully, occupy until I come. Third point of the message. Verses 14 and 15 would be expecting a return on the investment. If you notice here, verses 14 and 15, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money for what purpose? that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So Jesus expects a return on his investment. The nobleman left and he went into a far country to receive a kingdom. And after a long time he came back and he demanded accounting from his servants. And the nobleman, the Lord Jesus we know, has gone into heaven. He's been gone 2,000 years, been gone approximately 2,000 years, but Jesus is coming back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. You and I will be called into account as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible says, For we must all, no exclusions, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, expecting a return on his investment. Fourth point of the message, a time of accounting and judgment. And I'm not going to read all these verses again. That would be verses 16 to 27. But in this account, three of the servants were addressed. The first two had occupied well. They had busied themselves. Remember the definition, we, it needs, occupy means to busy oneself and to invest or yeah, invest carefully. And that's what these, these two men had done. They had busied themselves, they worked, and they traded carefully. And I was impressed when they said this. They both proclaimed Thy pound hath gained. They didn't say, I have done this, I have done that. They said, thy pound hath gained. They shifted the focus on the quality of goods rather than on what they had accomplished. Did you get that? They focused on, they focused on the preciousness or the power of the gift that they had been given, not on what I have done, but thy pound hath gained. That really stood out to me. They were humble in the multiplied gain. It kind of reminds me, this is not in my notes, but I think of James and John when they healed the man at the beautiful gate, they gave credit to God. It's not what we have done. They gave credit to God or because of Jesus and his power and the healing that happened. They gave credit to God. And brothers and sisters, we don't have any power of our own. What do we have to stand on? 
It's God and his power and his word that affects the change. And let's say thy pound or your word or the preciousness, the gift that you have given us, that is what has made the difference, not in what we have done. And I really like, I really like it how these, these two men, they received praise from the master and they were re- rewarded from their work. How many of you appreciate if you do a good job is to be commended for it? Don't we all kind of like that? I mean, if we do a good job, it is, we enjoy being commended. And brothers and sisters, what greater thing to, to come to an accounting or when God meets you or you meet him, if he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, to receive praise for the work that you have done and be rewarded accordingly. However, the third servant was not busy with the affairs of his master. The third servant was unconcerned with the task that was given him. He was not concerned about the Lord's return. This man was critical of the master and he was insubordinate. In essence, the master said this, the least you could have done, you could have taken the money to the bank and received interest. I could have received interest from it, but you didn't even do that. And this man was rewarded accordingly. So I guess this, this sermon, please don't think that I'm here to spank you because I, I wish y'all would get going and, and start doing something for the Lord. Really, it's quite the opposite. As an under-shepherd, I would like to commend the Peak Congregation for your recent involvement in a few things. And if you allow me, I'd like to name a few of them. One of them would be the, the Boys and the Girls Club. Thank you for all the work that that takes, the patience. Thank you for those that have been involved in summer Bible school and all the work that was. Thank you for those who are involved in bringing the club children here Sunday after Sunday, transportation and feeding them and all that takes. What a blessing. We're glad to have the club children here. Welcome to each of you. There's been some that were in Guatemala recently for the work there. I believe it was on a school. There's some currently in water programs And I thought it was very interesting and a very good time when we as a congregation met at Hinton Relief Center recently and packed the hygiene kits for the refugees. Uh, Once again, thank you for the good turnout. I thought we had a really nice evening. I want to commend you for that. Also, I already told you about the invitations to and serving our community supper and then It was a privilege for us to be invited along on the youth trip to Christian Aid Ministries on Thursday. And I would just like to say I sincerely believe that you as a congregation are following Christ's mandate to occupy until I come. Brothers and sisters, it's really not the quantity of the gifts received that's important but it's faithfulness in accomplishing the task we have been given. 
I may look at Brother Dave or Brother Samuel and think, I wish I had some of those gifts. Our gifts are not to be in competition to each other. Our gifts are to complement one another. They have gifts I don't have. Praise God. Hopefully we can use that. And that's the way it is in the congregation. It's not so much whether you've received little or much, but are you being faithful in accomplishing the task that God has given you? Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus tells us, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Maybe sometimes we think, well, I wish I could go to Costa Rica, or I wish I could go to Africa, or I wish I could go somewhere and do something big for God. You know, there's a lot of opportunities right here at home. And it seems like rather than having to to be uh, to go to evangelize in some far off country, it seems like the Lord is bringing uh, opportunities right here to our front door. Are we being faithful? I guess I'd just like to say as we think about opportunities to do little or much, maybe someone is in our congregation and is going through a difficult period. Maybe they need a text or a phone call, something small. Are you willing to do that? Maybe somebody has a need of maybe some food or their yard mode or a little bit of, of wood. Are you willing to take and do a small thing for someone and be a blessing? In conclusion, let me read one more passage real quickly before we conclude. What is God? What would he have you to do? What would he have me to do? And I'm thinking of salt and light. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. I won't make a lot of comments. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all them that are in the house. Let your light so shine before God that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. It's not what we have done. It's what he's given us, the blessings, the preciousness of his word and the various things that he's given us. And let's point back to him for anything that's accomplished. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, we have been entrusted with the precious goods from the master. We've been given salvation. We've been given given the word of God. We had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the master does expect a return on his investment. He is coming for an accounting. But in the meantime, will you and I be faithful to the charge we have been given to occupy until I come? May God bless you to that end. Shall we have a song?